that's worthy of all of our praise, that same God who's worthy is the God that's calling you. Same God who reaches through time and space to touch your heart right here and right now. Welcome to Elevate Retake. My name is Danae and I'm going to be your host for this season. Now on Elevate Retake, you can expect to hear the biblical messages of Michael Gibson. He's the pastor for Elevate, which is a community fellowship in Keene Church. Now I want you to experience faith as that continual everyday process of learning. It doesn't just happen once. We need to learn more about the Bible, helps us learn more about ourselves and ultimately our goal to learn more about God. And I believe this podcast will be just what you need to come a little bit closer in your relationship with God and make it real. Today, we start the very first season of Elevate Retake. It's called Wandering, and it follows the wandering life of Abraham, the patriarch of Genesis. Now, this first episode asks the question, what is next? Maybe you're in the middle of asking that question yourself right now. You might be transitioning jobs or just lost your job. Might be trying to graduate from school or just simply ready for a change. You, like Abraham, are faced with the unknown standing before you. It's scary and very mysterious, but exactly what God invites us to do, to go out into the unknown with him. So let's join Pastor Michael for today's episode, From the Known to the Unknown. Often we ask what we call an engaged question to get you thinking as we're diving into God's word, get you thinking maybe a little bit deeper. And hopefully this morning, the answer that you have for this might be a little bit different. So, to get ourselves warmed up, I know you don't have cards, but you got hands. If you're new to this, it's okay, you'll catch on real quick. Put some statements up on the screen. If you agree with the statement, open palm. If you disagree with the statement, close fist. You ready? I saw zero yes hands go up. You ready? All right, there we go. First one on the screen for you. I would rather be two hours late than to stop and ask someone for directions. Overwhelmingly, no. Okay, well, like one hour late, 30 minutes late. Uh, there's some of you that aren't answering that said, I never ask for directions, right? Never do that. Okay, number two. I'm quicker to ask for directions than the person sitting next to me. I saw some ladies next to their husbands that were like, yes, their hand almost hit the ceiling. It's going to be some interesting uh, conversations at lunch today. Number three. I get uncomfortable when I don't know all the details. I get uncomfortable when I don't know all the details. See some maybes out there. Uh, this is more predominantly yes. I think about 75% yes, 25% no, and about 10% of you were maybe. I know it doesn't add up, but that's okay. Number four, Abraham learned about God when he lived with Noah for 39 years. It's oddly specific, right? Nobody's going to take a wild guess. I see some no's, predominantly no's. Okay, we're going to maybe learn something today. Number five. God has a specific purpose for my life and has made my calling very clear. God has a specific purpose for my life and has made my calling very clear. Okay, most of you that have that, you said yes. Everybody else is like, I don't know how to answer that. I've left my hand down and out of this statement. That's okay. This series that we're going to be jumping into speaks directly to that, and hopefully by the end of it, you'll have an understanding of your calling and the specific purpose that God has placed on your life. And number six, got an extra one for you today. God always requires a sacrifice on our part before we are blessed. Okay. I see predominantly knows. Everybody else is kind of scared with the previous questions to answer this one. 
We're going to look at a case today where that statement is actually true. We're going to have to wrestle with that and see what that has to say about God's character. Before we dive into scripture, I invite you to bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for today. Ah, the sun is out. God, you've been so good, so, so good to us. We thank you for that. As we come into this space today, as we open up your word and as you sit down beside us and whisper to our ear what you intended with those words, I pray that we'll come away changed and we'll understand what's next. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to be diving in to Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to be parked there today. We're going to stay right in Genesis 12, because there's someone that I want to introduce you to. But before that, I want a, a moment of vulnerability um, and to share with you. I really don't like surprises. I don't. It's, it's something in, in me that's just like, I would rather completely know everything that's going on as opposed to a surprise coming on. And I really don't know how to act when I get surprised. Now, my wife Melissa's helping me through this, you know, it's, I'm recovering, you know, trying to uh, embrace surprises. And I, I'm not trying to be a party pooper or anything. It's just for me, I just like, I, I don't really like surprises. There was one time when I was younger, we were on a, an adventure camp out. It's uh, for the young kids in our church. And it was great. It was a couple of days. It was over a weekend. We're getting packed. We're getting ready to go. I remember at the very last second, the, the camp reorganizers was like, hey, come, let's get this group together. And we want to take a group picture. And I was ready to go. I was like seven or eight years old. I'm like, man, I'm ready to go. My mom, my mom said, no, go take the picture. Be good. And my mom is big on pictures. She loves taking pictures. Any, any family vacation we go on, she's always like, oh, that was great. One more. Let's take one more. For her, there's always room for one more picture. And so she's like, no, 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 go take the picture. And I was like, oh, okay. I walk over there, and I stand where I'm supposed to stand. And they go, three, two, one, cheese. And all of a sudden, I feel this big wash of water come over me. And the organizers had thought it'd be great to prank us kids at the group picture and douse us all with water. And they're all running away laughing and everything. And for me, I, I struggled with that. I don't like surprises, and I don't think that helped. And I was like, I'm wet, and I have to change, and I wanted to go home, and I didn't even want to take the picture in the first place. It was okay. My mom helped me through that. It was, it was, it was an okay day. I really, really don't like surprises. Now, that doesn't stop me from surprising other people because there was an instance when I was in college that a friend of mine, he was a roommate, his girlfriend said, hey, can you kidnap my boyfriend for his birthday and take him up to a restaurant? We're going to surprise him. So a buddy of mine and I kidnapped our roommate, and it probably looked really bad, but he's walking out of his dorm over in Lakeview, and we throw a t-shirt over his head and throw him in the back of the car. And we head up to Burleson, and we're doing circles and driving around, and we end up at Hibachi, and we have a fantastic birthday time. But for me, if I was the person underneath the t-shirt, I'd be like, nope, that's coming off. Like, where are we going? What's going on? And I think, you know, comically this morning, I've shared those things with you. And you may have similar experiences with surprises. But on a deeper level, I think we all have difficulty with the unknown. Because I've realized that I'm not, you know, surprises are okay, it's great. But really what I struggle with is the discomfort with not knowing everything. Have you ever found yourself in that spot? You know, 
popular culture has helped us know the future and know some more things, right? You can look at horoscopes to find out about your personality and what's going to happen. Fortune cookies, they used to be a whole lot more novel, and now they're just kind of getting a little mundane. Um, I've also noticed that in Instagram filters, it's kind of popped up to tell you when you're going to have something or who you're most like or this, that, and the other thing. Deep down inside, we all have a desire to know the unknown. And just kind of random fact for you, the psychic industry is projected in 2020 to be worth over $2.2 billion dollars. Now, that doesn't hold any market share on, you know, tech and all those other things, but $2.2 billion, that's what consumers will pay in the psychiatric, uh, the psychic industry in 2020. And this morning, you might be struggling with your own unknown. Maybe for some of you, you got to step seven by a prayer. Maybe for you, is man, how am I going to pay for school this semester I don't know, am I going to be able to keep my classes, my registration? Some of us, it might be, man, what grad school do I go to? Or is the grad school that I chose exactly what I needed? Maybe it's a job. You're struggling with the unknown of what happens after graduation. Or maybe the job that you currently have, what's next? For some of you, and we know you're here, and I won't make eye contact, but for some of you, retirement is an unknown. It's completely open. What's going to happen next? Next paycheck, next meal. Today we're going to look at someone who was called by God into the complete unknown. And he started to wander. He was guided, but he wandered from the known to the unknown and embraced that passionately. There's a guy by the name of Abraham. We're introduced to him in the book of Genesis, chapter 12. And before we really get into his story, I thought it would be helpful to share a little bit of context of who Abraham was. Because as I addressed this story this week and was studying it out, the questions popped into my mind, who's Abraham? And how did he know God? And popular Christianity, and if you've grown up in the church, you've probably heard the name Abraham. You maybe even sang the song, Father Abraham had many sons. And then you began to move your different appendages in different ways and realizing as you're older that those movements have nothing to do with the song at all. It's just kind of a way to get kids active, right? Father Abraham, just kidding. But who is this guy by the name of Abraham, who we're introduced to in Genesis chapter 12? There's four major events that happen in the book of Genesis preceding Abraham's entrance to the stage. Genesis 1 and 2 talk about the creation of the world. Genesis 3 talks about the fall and how humanity chose against God. Then there's the flood. Noah put everything on an ark floated on a boat for many days. And then there's the story of the Tower of Babel, who the people, after Noah had landed the ark, had populated the earth, Noah and his descendants, not Noah himself, but his descendants built this tower to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to beat the flood the next time it happens. So on the screen for you is a look at where Abraham falls in that line. You probably know Adam. You might recognize the name Methuselah. Definitely Noah, Shem, his son. And then there's Abram over there, and we'll talk about it in a minute, why it's Abram versus Abraham. But just a quick genealogy, and for some of you, this is going to bore you, so just you can check out right now and check back in in a couple minutes, it'll be okay, but for some of you, this is just going to be your, uh, your fodder this morning. So Abraham's the first created being. Six generations pass, and then Methuselah comes along. And you notice there that Adam's life kind of over, overlaps with Methuselah's. 
And then Methuselah has the son Lamech, and Lamech is the one that has Noah. And you notice that both Methuselah and Lamech die before the flood. And then there's Noah, and he has a son named Shem. And then there's eight generations that happen between Shem and Abram, but there's just a little bit of overlap. If we look, kind of dig a little deeper into some of the historical Jewish writings and kind of do the math of what Genesis talks about, it's likely, we don't know exactly for sure, but it's likely that Abraham or Abram likely grew up in Noah's household. He grew up with Noah, who was basically one person removed from Adam, which means that Abram was just three people removed from the first human that God created. So we think, who is Abraham and how does he know God? Well, he sat at the feet of his grandfather, and his grandfather's grandfather, and his grandfather's grandfather, and he began to know who God was. Then he went on an adventure on the screen for you as well. There's a map of the Middle East, kind of on the, the right side, down on the bottom right side. That's modern-day Iraq and Iran, kind of on that border there. There's the land of Ur, which Abraham is originally from. And he goes on this journey through his life, and we're going to look at that over the next several weeks at different stopping points along the way. But Abraham moves up to Haran, which is kind of uh, modern-day Syria and Turkey, and then down over to Canaan, which is the land of Israel. And he spends a little bit of time in Egypt as well. But I wanted you to catch the context before we dive into the, today's story, because often we see these characters without the frame of reference that the Bible has provided. So Abraham goes on a journey, and we are introduced to the first steps of, those journey, of that journey today. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow along. It will also be on the screen for you. It says this, now the Lord said to Abram, real quick, Abram's name gets changed to Abraham. I'll be flipping back and forth. We'll talk about the significance later. But when you hear Abr Abram, think Abraham. When you hear Abraham, think Abram. This is what God said to Abram. Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. It's a very, very interesting call from God. He's saying, forget everything behind you and go to the land which I will show you. And, you know, like us, likely Abraham pulled up MapQuest and he said, um, search for I will show you and try to figure out where that was, right? Eh, probably not. Abraham listened maybe a little bit closer to the word of God. And it continues in verse 2 of Genesis chapter 12. It says, I'll make you a great nation. This is God speaking to Abram. And I'll bless you and I'll make your name great so that you shall be a blessing. In verse 3, and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. And you today stand as a testament, or sit, I'm standing, you're sitting, of all the families of the earth being blessed. Because you hear the story of Abraham. This is the call of a man in the middle of the book. The book of Genesis. We don't know a whole lot about, and God sees fit to call him from where he was, from the known to the unknown. To take him from a place of comfort where family and relatives and culture are uniquely his own, and he knows, and God says, I'm going to call you out. Let's go someplace else. I've got something bigger for you, Abram. God wanted Abram in a space where Abram had to fully rely on God. Have you ever been in a position like that? where you feel God's calling you away from a place of comfort and a place of home, and he's taking you, and now you're here at Southwestern, 
or Keen Church and you're wondering why in the world am I here and God, what are you doing? In the story of Abraham, we might find some of the answers to that question. And in this few short verses, God's promises are abundant. Saying, I'm going to do all of this. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going I'm to bless your family. Not only that, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. The entire purpose of God's blessing upon Abraham was so that he, in turn, could bless other people. But that blessing came with a cost. And this is huge because it sometimes flies in the face of our own understanding of who God is and what his character is really like. Because the blessing of Abraham required sacrifice. God said, go to this place and then I'll bless you. Go away from your family and from your relatives and in that place, that is where you will find a blessing. The blessing that required a sacrifice. For a moment, we have to ask ourselves the question, what does that say about the character of God? And on first blush, that seems a little bit controlling. Seems like God's just kind of moving Abraham and his family around like pawns on a chessboard. He's saying, okay, go here and I'll, you know, throw you something. But I think that that understanding of God flies in the face of everything else that Scripture talks about. Because in this moment, God, the all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent God, can see who Abraham is. And, the God, and God can see who Abraham was, and he can also see who Abraham will be. He says, Abraham, I've prepared a place for you. If you go there, if you put in the effort, don't misunderstand me here, if you walk those miles, there's a blessing to be found in the promised land. There's a blessing to be found where you least expect it. The creator of all things knows exactly where Abram needed to be. And that same creator, several thousand years later, knows exactly where you need to be. He knows exactly where you're going. He wants to bless you. He wants to provide for your life. And as we align ourselves with the will of God and we obey within what we know of Scripture... There's blessings to be found there. God promises it. We can rely on him. We can call him out. Too often we maybe go our way seeking the earthly pleasures, thinking, seeking the things that fade away instead of the things that are eternal. And in this moment, you know, we might be thinking to ourselves, yeah, I, I might, God, okay, like where exactly are we going? MapQuest wasn't super helpful. Google Maps wasn't helpful. Apple Maps definitely wasn't helpful. A little shade there, it's okay. Where do we go? But instead in that moment, Abraham immediately, verse 4 of Genesis chapter 12, Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. That's his nephew, by the way. Immediately. Abraham doesn't question, doesn't ask God. He hears the word of the Lord, and he goes. And by the way, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. He was up in age. Might have had a few gray hairs. But he listened to the voice of God in that moment. And by the way, this isn't the first time that Abram moved his, his family. It's kind of an interesting order that Genesis put the, puts everything in right here. But if we back it up to Genesis chapter 11, we look at the last two verses of that. Terah, who's Abraham's father, took Abram his son and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, 
his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. And then verse 32. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Abraham's actually called twice by God. The first time he influences his father's household to leave a land of community and a space that's comfortable, and he says, Dad, we got to go. Now, the Bible writers, Moses, he was proper in the way that he addressed it, and he said it was really Terah's idea. But if we understand that in the context of the New Testament, it's really Abram's idea at the core because God's after Abraham's heart and the heart's of his family. So he goes. No hesitation. No questions. He moves from Ur, which is down in the bottom right corner. And he goes up to Haran, which is kind of the top part of that apex. God says, I need you to move again. And he goes down to Canaan. And we can expect Abraham probably had a lot of things. He's a wealthy man. Genesis chapter 12, verse 5 Abraham or Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions, which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus, they came to the land of Canaan. And I imagine, uh, another picture up on the screen for you, Abraham, I don't always get asked to move to nowhere, but when I do, I do it in faith, right? Might have packed up the car, everything loaded up on top, and they're headed out. When was the last time that God asked you to do something and you packed your car, your belongings, your stuff like that and said, God, I'm going. When was the last time you did that? Did that? Maybe that decision is on the cusp for you right now. So Abraham takes everything. Genesis chapter 12, verse 6. Abraham passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Moreh. Now, the author wants you to know here the Canaanite was then in the land. It's a group of people known as the Canaanites. They had established themselves in Canaan. And God takes Abraham to this land of promise, this land that he said, this is, I'm, I'm going to make you a great nation. And for a moment, Abram might have thought to himself, sweet, this is going to be easy. God's called me. We're going to go. He walks into the land and realizes that it is completely inhabited by somebody else. My question, God, is this the right place? Is this where I'm supposed to be right here, right now? God says, Yeah. Abraham found himself in the midst of an alien and strange people. And he could not regard the land as his own. It wasn't his own yet. He couldn't actually take possession of it. All he could do was rely on God's promise by faith. If you found yourselves in a circumstance right now where you see God's promise and you said, God, you said this was going to happen. You said you'd heal my marriage. You said you'd, you'd heal me physically or heal someone else. You said you'd provide for me in school, and I don't see it yet. God says, hold on. The vision hasn't been fully laid out yet. You must act in faith. And look at what Abraham does in verse 7 of chapter 12. The Lord appears to Abraham. Abraham might have felt a little bit frustrated by this, and he appears to him and he says, look out. You see this place that's inhabited by so many people? Your descendants, I will give this land. So right there in that moment, Abraham doesn't question God, doesn't raise his fist at him. No, he builds an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him, and he worships. Then he continues on in verse 8. He proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord, called upon the name of the Lord. God was the only one that could provide for Abraham in his moment of need. 
God was the only one who could transform the inhabited Canaan to the promised land. And as we begin an adventure in the life of Abraham for the next few months, I want you to remember this. As Abraham set out, he didn't know all the details. God just said, I need you to go, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do all these things for you. And Abraham says, okay. Invite our praise team to join me up here as we finish up with our last two songs. Don't know where you are in your journey. I don't know where you're walking right now. Some of you might feel like you're in the middle of the desert. Might be feel like you're in the middle of this place or that. Maybe you've come to the promised land only to realize that it's inhabited by other people and you don't see how God is going to provide for you right here and right now. I don't know what that looks like for you. But what I, want, I challenge you to do is this, to lean in to God in these moments. Abraham, each step of the way, hears the word of the Lord and follows. Now, even next week, we're going to look at it at a time where Abraham, he messes it up. God says something and he, he messes it up. He's not perfect. But each and every step of the way, Abraham checks in. And when he finds himself in the promised land that's already inhabited by another people, he simply comes to God and worships. Because he knows God is a powerful God who can provide for him in his time of need right there, right now. Abraham didn't know all the details. He just followed the one who had called him. By the way, did I mention he was 75 years old? Sometimes it takes us a while, and that's okay. But this morning, as you hear the word of God proclaimed in your presence, I challenge you with this, that you don't need to know everything when you're with someone you trust. Abraham's life was completely dependent upon God. He trusted God 100% of the way. Not asking for the details here and there, God, how is this going to be taken care of? How is that going to be taken care of? No, he goes and God provides. He goes and God provides. He goes and God provides. You don't need to know all the details when you're with someone you trust. Bob Goff, a modern writer, puts it this way on the screen for you. Page 104, if we could back it up a couple. Yes, there we go. I think God sometimes uses the completely inexplicable events in our lives to point us forward to him. We get to decide each time whether we will lean in toward what is unfolding and say yes or back away. And that's the challenge that you have today. As God has led you in inexplicable ways to wherever you are right here in your life, you have the opportunity, looking at the life of Abraham, to now say, God, do I follow or do I walk away? And I challenge you today to lean into the God of Abraham, to lean into the God who can be your God, the creator of all things, who loves you and wants you to follow him because you don't need to know all the details when you're with someone you trust. But I want to run just a couple more things by you from the modern philosopher Bob Goff. I love what he has to say and how he has to write. This is out of the book, Love Does. The folks who are following Jesus in Galilee. So there's a parallel here between Abraham and his calling and what God has called his disciples to. The folks who are following Jesus in Galilee got to decide the same thing each day because there was no roadmap, no program, and no certainty. All they had was this person, Jesus, an idea, and an invitation to come and see. 
In the same way that God called Abraham and in the same way that he calls his disciples in the Gospels, he's calling you as well. All you have is an invitation to come and to see. Bob continues on. They saw joy and suffering, triumph and tragedy, and in the end, there's just a man, an idea, and an invitation without a whole lot of details. The disciples were unschooled and ordinary like my kids, like all of us. Maybe right now you've, off, you've heard the invitation of Jesus on your heart and you said, man, I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't know all the details. I don't know where this is going. And I encourage you for a moment to put away that part of you that's uncomfortable with surprises and uncomfortable with the unknown and follow Jesus, to come and see Jesus. Next one up, Bob continues that they didn't need all the details because they were on an adventure with a father who wanted to take them. You don't need to know everything when you're with someone you trust. Yes, I stole that from Bob because I love that line. Last slide. The kind of adventure Jesus has invited us on doesn't require an application or prerequisites. There is nothing that you have to do in order to be accepted by Jesus. He may call you to places unknown, but there's nothing that you have to do to be called. It's just about deciding to take up the offer made by a father who wants us to come. So my invitation to you, we're going to sing a song in a moment called Heart of Worship, that we bring it back to the center, to where we originally found God. Today, some of you might be experiencing him for the first time, and that's wonderful, that's fantastic. For some of you, this might be the 150th time. It doesn't matter because every day is new and God is calling you right here, right now. You don't know the details. You can't see the end from the beginning. You don't know why you're getting a degree at Southwestern or why you're stuck in the middle of nowhere. Keen, who wants to live here, right? I enjoy it. I love this place because I love you all, and I love seeing you each week. You don't, know how, you don't have to know all the details when you're with someone you trust. And I encourage you today to jump into the beautiful arms of a Savior who loves you and wants to provide for you. Thanks so much for listening. You know, it's really neat. One of the things that st- stood out to me was that Abraham sat and possibly listened at Noah's feet. There was so much overlap from those previous generations because they lived so long. I don't know, there's some pretty serious knowledge that can be passed down when people live that long. Just makes the Bible seem so much more real. And another thing that struck me was that Abraham set out not knowing where he was going to end up. You know, it's really easy to look forward to something when you kind of have an idea of where you're going and if you've done it before or your friend's telling you it's awesome. But it's really hard for me personally, at least, to look forward to something when I just don't even know what to look forward to. You know, it just kind of makes me think and ask that question, where is God asking you and I to step out where we're resistant because we just don't know where he's leading. Another thing that Abraham made was was a process. There was time in between A and B. You know, we can't expect to go directly to B. You know, with God, it's all about the journey in between where we're possibly going out to the left and out to the right. And even if we don't see how God's promises could possibly be fulfilled, we cannot stop trusting him. Even if it looks like we're going away from the direction that we think he's calling us to go. We have to leave the understandings up to God and do the trusting. Thanks so much for listening to Elevate Retake. Elevate Retake, it's recorded weekly at Keene Church. Our audio is captured by Blake Snyder and Isaac Chang. Our sound design and editing are done by Shane Miosi and Inspire Productions. Our executive producers are Michael Gibson and Jonathan Coker. 
Our team includes Evelyn Elenis, Candice McCormick, Isa Manu, Semu Sialoga, and Alethea Gelman. Special thanks to Danae Sanji and 88.3 The Journey. Stay connected. You can find Elevate on Instagram and Facebook at This Is Elevate TX. Currently, our services are live streamed every Saturday morning at 10.15 a.m. on the Keen Church YouTube page. We'd love to have you join us. There is always room for one more.